This episode is brought to you by Battle Bars. Battle Bars is a premium protein product jam-packed with whole nutrition. Battle Bars is sure to give you the energy to fuel your fight. Shop thebattlebars.com today. So, Nikolai, do you just go by Nick, I assume? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, okay. Nikolai sounds cooler, so if it's okay with you, I'm going to call you that. That's wrong. Nikolai. You can do it with a Russian accent, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't do it with a Russian accent. I work for the government. That won't end well. Yeah, uh, part of the Russian collusion. <laughs> <laughs> too soon. It's too soon. Um, but, Nikolai, thanks for joining, first of all. I know this was very short notice. Um, so we've been talking a little bit. I think you've known Brad for a while. Um, you're yep. a coach over at Never State. Um, so you do, I guess, personal training, things like that, correct? Yep. Uh, I know you're an Army vet. You got, you got a lot of interesting background. So um, really, if, if anything, if I could just turn it over to you, just tell me a little bit about you, um, you know, growing up, what you, know, what, you, uh, what you wanted to do when you were young. Did you always want to be a fitness guy? Like, did you always want to do training and, uh, you know, your, your military career? If you can kind of just, uh, you know, free roll it, really, whatever you want to say. Cool. Too easy. So yeah. I'll, I'll start off with everything kind of happened by accident. Um, <laughs> every big thing that's happened in my life was unplanned even joining the army and, and stuff. So uh, I was born and raised here in Carroll County, Maryland. And uh, I was big into, you know, like what everybody else was doing, farming, 4-H, beef cattle, pigs, that type of stuff. And then uh, I went to high school at Westminster, local here. And I played lacrosse and ice hockey. And then uh, I graduated high school. I was actually going, uh, supposed to go to college to do mechanic stuff I placed very well in this competition I had like a scholarship to go to this like NASCAR school and do like pit crew stuff and then I got bored with it and woke up one morning went to the recruiter and about four weeks later I was uh in basic training and uh I joined on an open contract like an idiot so for anybody that watches this don't do that ask your friends that are uh there. rookie move and I got put in his wheeled vehicle mechanic, oddly enough. I'm like, okay, that's too easy. So I slept through uh, AIT and stuff. And then I got put in an aviation unit. And that's when my world got turned upside down. Because <laughs> I wasn't there very long. And like, hey, report to the Hangar 09. You're a door gunner now. I was wow. like, uh, a what? <laughs> like on helicopters. I'm like, I haven't been within 100 foot of a helicopter. So uh, I spent most pretty much all my military career in a flight company as a door gunner with 10th Mountain Division. Uh, Afghanistan, we were uh, on the FOB. We were attached with 5th Group, Special Forces, and uh, 3rd Infantry Division. That was the battle space commander there. And um, when were you there, Nick? I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was there 13, 14. Okay. So uh, I, I was there at that time, too. Um, you said 10th uh, Mountain, right? Yep. Yeah, we fell, we fell under them at the same time. Interesting. Just curious. Uh, were, you, were you under Catamount? No, I don't remember the name. I, I think it was like Task Force Rugged. It was an engineer, you know, but I know 10th Mount were our bosses and uh, got stuck on the fob shank a lot. So, yep, Rocket City. Yeah. Uh, that's where I lived. Yeah. And Sorry to cut you off. I just, I, the timing was fine. Uh, but yeah, so I threw several hundred combat flight hours there as a door gunner. Um, had a lot of fun doing stuff with Fifth Group and, <laughs> and Third ID. And uh, it was, you know, you know how it goes. You, yeah. you get some of the best times, some of the worst times downrange, but uh, went traded for the world. And then uh, in the military somewhere, uh, I started, I picked up fighting. Um, I was doing some jujitsu and Muay Thai and MMA type stuff. And then uh, I got out. And then I, that's when I kind of, I've always been into some sort of athletic thing, whether it was lacrosse, ice hockey, or, or, even farming there requires when you're throwing hay bales up in a, in a loft 20 feet up in the air requires some sort of strength. So, uh, I always had a foundation of natural strength. Mm -hmm. Um, but I never utilized it cause I knew I was strong. So I didn't feel like I really needed to train it. And then that's when I stumbled across strongman. literally saw my buddy doing the Atlas stones. I'm like, Hey, that looks cool. And then I tried it. And then, uh, one thing led to another. Shortly thereafter, I went to my first competition. I beat all the people in my weight class, but they had thrown a heavier guy in, and he beat me by like a point. And that feeling of this, A, this isn't fair. B, it was only a point. I think that that first, that second place by a point in my first strongman competition ever is what really sparked uh, 
I've always been competitive, but I think that's what really sparked my climb because I'm like, you know what? If this ever happens again, I want to be strong enough where it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, second place, though, for your first one, that's crazy. It was at a local show out in, like, Delaware, and the prize was an invite to nationals and a chrome axle. And I was more upset that I didn't get the chrome axle. <laughs> um, but it worked out anyway because I ended up going to Rome the same time national was that, wow. that, that year, so it didn't matter. Um, but the following year, I – qualified for nationals again i won maryland's strongest man and uh then i went to nationals and it was my first nationals and i won uh became the national champion in my first nationals uh by a point and that's kind of what really even got me more hooked hmm. and that's when things doors started opening and i really kind of charged it the whole strongman thing and the training and um i don't do well in moderation so when i do do stuff i i I'm head first. I just submerged myself. And uh, then I went, I won nationals. I won a platinum plus show at East coast, most powerful. It's like a regionals type thing. Okay. And then I went to the Arnold and there's no 200 pound division. So I have to compete up in 231. Mm. So I compete against guys that are about 250 cut down to 230 or so. Mm -hmm. And I finished 15th out of 40. Uh, and I was happy with that. And then uh, I went to worlds as a 198. And it was actually one of my worst shows to date. And I still, I finished fourth. I missed podium by a point uh, mm. in my first Worlds. So still um, first Worlds. I mean, like just getting there, showing up, being top five is really good. That's just not how my brain works. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is why you and I always get along so well. It's like, I'm very like you. Like I just, I can't do the mediocrity and, I'm always like, I'm my worst critic. So like, if I lost to somebody else, it's like, all right, dude, well, what are you doing? Like, what is that dude doing that you're not doing? And how can you mm -hmm. do that? And you're very like that. Where was the first place you did Stones at? Was that at Muscle Mine? Yeah, uh, I reached out to Jason Sandoval. You probably know right. him. And yeah. uh, he yeah. kind of took me under his wing. Him, Randy, and Phil all really, uh, I was in good hands with them. They really gave me the opportunity to train and learn. And Randy went with me to my first couple competitions and that's when I met Brian at my second show and he kind of recruited me to never say it a little bit and uh I went there and he really got me on a regimented training schedule and that's when like my 550 pound deadlift went to like 600 650 now I'm, I'm coming up on seven so I'm about three years into being a competitive strongman and uh I'm like one of the top middleweights in the world that's right awesome now. so um that's crazy, dude. It's been a cascading thing. And I'm sure you guys have saw the whole thing with Miles. That, that's gone completely viral, which is unplanned. Mm -hmm. um, he's been my friend since high school. Uh, we actually yeah. were friends. No, we were friends in middle school. I was two years ahead of him. And um, I, he came into the gym to do photography. And then I knew he was competitive. And we're like, hey, pick up that medicine ball. And we had him loading stones about a week later. <laughs> and then uh, that turned into deadlifts, benching, squatting, overhead and then he did his first comp and then that video went viral we went viral two or three times after that and that's when Arnold Schwarzenegger picked it up brought us out to the Arnold this year's as guests um hung out with Arnold ate breakfast dinners with him um put us in the hotel flew us out and then we just got back from Nike uh two weeks ago the world headquarters they had us out working wow on, um, um, I see I've seen your post like they just got him going everywhere that's amazing yeah, yeah, I've kind of fallen into the role of kind of like his agent, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, whether you like it or not, uh, <laughs> he might be his, uh, you know, his Hollywood agent at this point. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like the barrier. Um, because of cerebral palsy, fine motor skills are subtasked yeah. or extremely difficult for him. So it's a lot easier for me to handle emails and stuff like that. And we have the NFL draft coming up. The NFL reached out. Uh, they wow. want to stay there. So uh, it's, it's, it's pretty so wild. Going on. So, I've never had anything gone viral, so I, I wouldn't know, but are you able to keep up with all of the comments and everything? No. That's no on? So, no. so I, um, so I was like, watch, I was reading, all, I was trying to read a bunch of the comments and stuff. Cause I, that's one of my favorite part of the internet is the comment section because people are just so ridiculous. And I seen so many people that have like never even clicked your profile to see the history of you and, and miles. And people are like, oh, my God, he's using him as a, you know, stepping stone or a platform. And I'm like, 
and I'm like trying to like defend you. It's just crazy, man. People are you just see that because I I just don't even go in there because the internet's a yeah. cesspool. Like <laughs> it's so crazy. That's the truth. It's so it's funny though. Crazy. I think all of us have realized that, and I mean, oh, I've, I've thought it was super cool that like, I mean, not only as his agent, but like as one of his best friends. Like you really are just looking out for his best interest. And Absolutely. that's the ironic part with these people saying that is like, yeah, all you're doing is making sure he doesn't get caught up and taken advantage of because someone yeah. will try and do that. I mean, we monetized um, one of the videos with a licensing company, and literally, I set it all up so that he got any money that came of it. Like, I, I don't yeah. see a dime from any of the videos directly. I have that all set up, so it all goes yeah. to money. And that's, uh, awesome. that's not my game. I have my own stuff going on with Strongman and Coaching. And this, you know, we've been doing speaking engagements as well, so that's something that we can both reap the benefits of because we both do it. And it's a mutual thing, like, um, and I just kind of, like, keep him pointing in the right direction with training. He puts in the work, and it literally started out as him coming in to do photography. Like I said, there was no method to the madness, and then it hit, and then it's like, boom. And then the next time it went viral, it got bigger. And then this, this last time went viral, it just, it went everywhere. So, like, yeah. you can't plan that. I was going to ask you about that. So, and... And when we when we were talking about doing this video, um, you know, I, I wasn't even going to try to hit too much on, on this topic, but you brought it up. So I'm, I'm just I'm just curious. But like, what was the moment? So a lot of those videos that go viral, it's like they wake up the next morning and their inbox is flooded or yeah. like their phone is shut down because. So I guess what what happened? You guys uploaded that video. And I remember seeing I remember someone shared it on Facebook and I didn't even know who you guys were. Yeah. Yet. I, I, I saw him. Yeah, and I and I saw that he was from Westminster, and I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! You know, we're from Westminster. That's amazing." And I think I shared it because it was cool, and I didn't I didn't didn't process. And then Brad mentioned you guys casually, and I was like, "Oh, well, we know them. That, that's crazy." Um, but like, so what what happened? Like, uh, did you did you wake up the next morning and you guys kind of called each other and were like, "Holy shit!" Or um, how, well, how did that go? I, I kind of I'm like, "Hey," I told him when he uploaded, I'm like, "Hey, just monitor Instagram because in the past you've done something." completely out of the like nothing out of the ordinary that that you do like what people found that amazing that's like an everyday thing for me and him like yeah. it's a little bit of to backtrack a little bit our gym um we have nigeria's strongest man who moved from nigeria just to train here i mean cool we cool. have i've national and, and world level competition we have brian who's 150k some subscribers on youtube uh we have like a world record and a world champion powerlifter. I mean, we have everything from a 12-year-old to a 64-year-old man and then national champions and world record holders in between and then miles. So, like, our standard for normal, the it's like what some people consider amazing is, like, kind of – this is going to sound really conceited, but it, we, see, <laughs> we see it every day. No, it's true. Uh, it's kind of like uh, you know how people describe the military sometimes. You know, like the whole "thank you for your service" crap. I know all you guys get tired of that too. That's not just me, right? And you yeah. feel you feel a little bit like a jerk, but you're like, you know what? To people <laughs> not familiar, it is pretty yeah. amazing. Uh, but I mean, I mean, you guys, like I said, I was blown away by. It. I know you're you're probably numb to it, but uh, um, I'm not numb to it. I recognize yeah. what he's doing is we're kind of in uncharted water with cerebral palsy in a strength sport. Yeah, they have done it in bodybuilding, but bodybuilding is not about the weight being moved it's about uh the aesthetics so and which is impressive in its own because cerebral palsy has the, the has issues with bone density and muscle development right the fact that they can actually get they don't get huge but they gain a little bit of size but they get shredded and and miles is kind of shredded like yeah he, he is. when you get up close he's got like veins in his calves <laughs> that's crazy and um but yeah it so when this one, I'm like, hey, just monitor this because who knows what will happen in the past. And then it, I mean, it went big. Like, yeah. Check his Instagram the next morning. I'm like, dude, <laughs> look at your Instagram. He went from like the first time he went viral, he went from like 400 to 4,000 followers. Hmm. Second time he went from like 4,000 to 40K. And this time he's coming close to 250K, I think. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. When that video. Go ahead, Oliver. Um, I would because I had seen the video before it went viral, and um, and he was at forty six thousand followers, yeah. and then when 
I think as soon as I, and then I saw somebody re, I think you reposted like muscle men's health or yeah, somebody. Yeah. And then, then later on that afternoon, he was in like the eighties. I was like, Oh crap. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things came from it. We did, uh, we're going to be in uh, men's health magazine with uh, Conor McGregor. Oh, uh, wow. We were on ABC global uh, news, um, a bunch of local stuff um muscle and fitness i mean it's all kinds of different like health and um we were on the highway on a serious xm hmm. uh and then like it's just kind of cascaded and you know it, it gains traction and then it just kind of snowballs and you can't control who's going to see it who's going to comment on it like it's kind of at the hands and the mercy of the internet but this one uh we were a little more mentally prepared for uh, I ended up turning off my phone at one point because I'm like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> like, and then I turned it on a couple hours later and it's just, I mean, all my social media notifications are just turned off now just mm. because just in case. Well, well, now I know how to get in touch with you. I'll just uh, show up on your doorstep since you're going to be blocking <laughs> our messages probably after this. Uh, Brad, I know you had a question, but I think Colin did too. Uh, you mind if I turn it over to Colin? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, what's up, Nick? Um, oh, yeah, man. so I had a question you know kind of uh from running battle bars we're always thinking about nutrition so with miles you know and and you know i i agree with what you guys do in terms of not calling it a disability because it really isn't with him um he's obviously turning it around and really making something of it but do you guys do anything special with his nutrition um anything different from the average person um i wouldn't say we do anything necessarily different uh his dad uh, pretty much cooks all of his meals and um, I got him on the beef and rice kick for a while. Uh, I think he still does eat that periodically. I do a vertical diet, so um, I think he still kind of does that. But, I mean, the kid's 99 pounds soaking wet, so he just kind of inhales everything. <laughs> right. We, we, those battle bars he sent us for the Arnold, um, he loved them. Uh, me, Miles, and Brian, both, both uh, all three of us kind of, lived on him because it was nonstop there so uh, I wouldn't say he does anything different I just think just mainly with him is just getting him the calories getting him the fats getting him the carbs just getting it as much as he can because he weighs he's 99 pounds soaking wet right gotcha thank you mm -hmm. what's a vertical diet what do you mean by that I so um, it's a stand efforting thing uh I wouldn't say it's a fad diet like keto, uh, but it's definitely more popular in the strength world because it yeah. prioritizes fats. And, I do. Uh, I do the vertical diet as well. Yeah, it's it's uh, and the fats especially when I noticed. So when you start getting heavy with weight, like when I broke the six hundred pound mark of my deadlift, I noticed that my training took a lot more out of me. So my CNS fatigue was getting real, really fast. And basically, what that is is your body kind of it's your body protecting itself so you ever wake up one day and everything just feels heavy like anything from like just bending over and picking something up that's it's not called it's called being 30 years old plus that's normal yeah. i'm <laughs> well, breaking that's down in the gym so like where a 200 pound deadlift might feel like 400 pounds that's yeah. a real thing so uh uh to get to kind of battle that you have to have high fats um fast digesting carbs a lot of protein and the vertical diet prioritizes a lot of beef, white rice, and some veggies. And to really kind of produce the most, uh, the best catalyst for uh, strength athletes. And you can do, there's different variations, like for cutting weight, maintaining weight, bulking. Um, but it's all geared towards the, the strength aspect. Because Stan Efforting, he is, he was a bodybuilder, and then he earned the title World Strongest Bodybuilder, I think. Um, but he, he has really made a whole, uh, market out of this vertical diet thing. And I don't follow it. We actually, we ran into him. We were out with Brian Shaw at the Arnold two years ago. Uh, his coach trains at our gym. So, uh, we do YouTube collabs with Brian and, and stuff like that. And that's kind of how he introduced us to Stan and Brian was coming back from surgery. So he sent Brian over, uh, he gave us some input on, on what we should be doing diet-wise, and we kind of took that and did some research and used his website to really put a diet together for what, like, I needed. 
and uh but yeah that's pretty much it it's predominantly beef and rice okay and a lot yeah. of salt yeah beef uh beef uh ground bison white rice sweet potato mm-hmm. chicken stock salt Pretty much, a, yeah. It's to prioritize digestion, so you get the yep. food in and and use it to um, yeah. White rice, performance. Yeah, fast digesting carb, and he specifically says not to refrigerate it because what happens when you make something cold, it condenses, takes longer to digest. So I have a rice cooker where I can take out what I need and it keeps it warm for twelve hours. So uh, it's fast digesting, so you can eat more frequently and, and maintain that energy. Yep. Okay, that's awesome. Well, good. I, yeah, I hadn't heard that terminology before, so it's always good to learn a new thing here and there. Learn me a new thing. Um, yeah, and, yeah, go ahead, Oliver. No, nothing. I was just going to – we can move on. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but, Nick, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's awesome to see you guys do. I'm glad you enjoyed the, the bars and all that. We, You know, me and Colin were, were joking internally. We're like, you know what? We, we don't want this to seem – what's the term? Fake? You know, because it, it was the timing is we were going to, we wanted to give you guys stuff anyway. And then we're like, you know what? They're probably getting everything from everyone because Miles video had just gone viral, you know? Um, and we were just like, <laughs> I mean, we, we're glad we kind of knew who you were before, but man, it, I'm just, I'm just happy that you guys enjoyed them. I'm, I'm glad it hit the spot. Uh, did what it yeah, did. They're, they're good. I mean, especially that you guys led with, Hey, you know what? Just try our product before you do anything or decide on anything and we'll go from there. So. Uh, that showed good faith within within the the supplement or the product itself. Yeah, well, that's 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 awesome. Um, but um, so what I was gonna say, I just if I can kind of segue back, but the mm-hmm. uh, the army stuff. When did you when did you get out? I got out August of 2015. Okay, uh, and and you you stayed the door gunner that pretty much that entire time until you got yeah. out. Shortly before they sent me back to the maintenance unit to kind of ETS and go through that whole process, and they boned me pretty hard because they sent me to JRTC with like two months left in the military. Oh, man. And I got a whole heap of crap when I got back because, like, you have 30 days left. Why have you not done any of this? I'm like, talk to my chain of command. <laughs> yeah. Well, so for anyone – so explain JRT, JRTC for anyone who has not experienced it. Or might be thinking about the military and just doesn't know what you're talking about. Can you? Just, it's a shit show. I, <laughs> I was going to say I want to hear how you describe it because I have I have plenty of opinions from a completely different perspective. Um, when, when with with the flight company, it's great. It's basically simulating a deployment. Uh, right. You go and put all this like basically, it's supposed to be high speed laser tag gear, but it doesn't work half the time. At least when you're trying to shoot at someone, not when they're shooting at you, and. Uh, you put these lasers on the end of your barrel, you shoot blanks, and every time the blank goes off, uh, the laser shoots. Or if you set your weapon down too hard, you kill one of your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you wear this halo around your Kevlar, or in my case, uh, my flight helmet, and then you wear this little vest thing that has little uh, receptors for the laser on it. Yep. So there's a whole unit down there at Fort Polk, Louisiana, that is their whole job is to be up for. I think they're called Geronimo. Um, there's rangers down there as well, I think. So you'll be doing normal operations, pulling security, you know, things you do on deployments, like for the most part. And then they'll just attack like at night, out of nowhere, like 2 a.m. You're getting attacked and you got to respond. So when I went with the maintenance company, uh, it was bad. <laughs> um, them getting attacked was didn't go well. No, they never, never does. Uh, for always destroys, I mean, everything, but they definitely but, uh, tweak when it. When I went with my flight company, you know, we, there was a, we're a combat arms job. So we were an assault helicopter battalion. So mm-hmm. we did offensive stuff. Right. Um, uh, as well as mainly like ring routes, ring routes and packs movement. Um, but it's just a lot more organized, a lot more preparation for that kind of stuff. Uh, but it was, it's basically just getting you ready to simulate as best they can a deployment but there's a lot more hoops you jump through in the preparation because it's not it's not as straightforward there's all these little rules meetings and they have these ocs that walk around so if you like get shot or they're like hey that humvee just blew up you have this wound they give you a card and you put it like on your chest and then the medic comes and he's like they have to do according to the card like you have a gunshot wound in your shoulder or your left leg got severed it 
and then you go to the the casualty tent and that's basically just a bunch of dudes sitting around playing cards and smoking and joking for a day <laughs> i was gonna say careful what you say we do have a medic on the, on the call here today so yeah yeah, I was going to say, are they the same guys as, like, First Army, or are they totally different? Because we had similar experience with the First Army down at uh, Fort Hood, Texas, before our MOBE, and that was a shit show also. <laughs> I think that's any training center for the military, uh, or at least the Army. Yep. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, Oliver, what it's like for you, but I know anytime we get sent to the training center, it's just like, <laughs> you get really sad leading up to it, and then you just kind of <laughs> accept it. Yeah, well, now I mean I'm out now, and and I but I'm a contractor, and uh, and everything is a shit show. Just the whole <laughs> everything, we can't do anything ever. Yeah, uh, man. I mean, <laughs> it's a good thing we have these massive budgets so we can blow through our money. You know, yeah. just throw it out the window. Let's yeah, pay well, six hundred dollars for a seven dollar ladder for Lowe's Army ladder. <laughs> yep. Or uh, what was it? The Air Force? The plastic cups were like five grand. Something like that. It was it was on the news a couple of months ago, but that sounds about right. I mean, it, I don't know. You can complain all day about it. It's the same. It's the well, same you know what's crazy? So you know what's crazy about that is so since I'm on that side of it, mm -hmm. is we're we are really. I mean, I'm not on the manufacturing side, but I I'm like I still see all the purchasing and stuff, and um, the the businesses that sell stuff to the military can't have a high profit margin so they that's all regulated when they buy stuff so how they spend a hundred dollars on a twenty dollar ladder i don't know because they're not supposed to do that uh yeah not supposed to and what can actually yeah. pull off for always two, two different i think it's I heard, crazy so i think i heard um colin beep in there for a sec colin did you have a question i think i heard you talk yeah no i was just curious you know ian and i have talked a lot about the military and kind of his experiences and and he's told me some some really funny stories. I mean, some of them are kind of tragic, but some of them are also hilarious. So I was just curious, like, what's like your moment in the military where you just kind of like stood back and just, you, you kind of had to laugh, whether it was so bad that you had to laugh or it was genuinely funny. Um, you know, Ian um, talked about the other day, one of his guys like flipped like a hundred million dollar truck and put it in a ditch. It's just, you know, stuff like that, I think is, is pretty funny. We, oh man, where do I start? Yeah, which story um, do you want to tell? <laughs> Yeah, I got to pick and choose here. Yeah, um, take your time. So I think one of the first times that stands out was probably uh, on deployment, uh, as our, our FOB was nicknamed Rocket City for a reason, because we would take indirect fire rockets, mortars, and stuff like five, six times a day. Hated that place. Uh, I think we set, like, some record in our rotation for most IDF um, or something crazy like that. But uh, I remember the first time I was on a porta potty, like my second day in country, and the alarm went off, and it was like a scramble. Like I was like, I'm cutting it off. I'm done. Like <laughs> scrambling to get my shit up, and I've got like a nine mil on my belt, so it, it like my pants are like my belt's rolled over. Like I'm just I'm just all jacked up. Porta potty, and I stumble out in my pants like right here, like still pulling them up. <laughs> tripping and I'm like, all right, the bunker's that far away, and uh, I'm not hitting the deck in this porta potty, and uh, so it was just like me falling six or seven times to get to this porta potty, probably with shit still between my butt cheeks. <laughs> uh, and then fast forward like three months, like it's like, oh, there's the alarm. I'm if I'm going here. I was gonna ask you, like, how was it different? Because I remember the first time, the first week we got there, we got greeted by a round of IDF for. Co a constant and then thanksgiving was really bad and then by the end again you're like outside you're just like well i mean if it's gonna happen here it goes i guess I, if <laughs> if we were on the flight line we always hit the deck yeah uh, oh yeah there's nothing out there no cover at all we actually had to move our whole operation because they had a zero really uh, wow yeah we had a big issue with afghan nationals coming in and pacing off target lines oh okay and, and uh so there was like a whole like MP unit internally at Shank, I believe, designed to kind of root them out. Wow. And, um, because there was a big cell, because RC East is right on the Packy border, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So there was a big cell coming in. We And we were at the mouth of the Tangy. So, okay. Uh, if you're familiar with Coringal, yep. the Tangy's another hotbed. Uh, 
Is Korngal where uh, Restrepo was filmed? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, got it. Yeah, so if you we haven't... were Shank was here, Puli Alam was here, uh, Baraki Barak was out here, and then there's kind of wasteland yeah. to the other side, and uh, just over the mountain pass was lightning, mm-hmm. and uh, so we would get it from the Baraki Barak side. There was a little um, SF compound. We did some stuff out of there uh, with those guys, and then their their guide on was like their CP was like literally like a hit with a rock mm. and um and then they're they're just on the other side of them was the mouth of tangy so uh we at least got a heads up if stuff was coming through towards shank and um we had one of those p-tids with the alarms but they get wise to it and then they start bringing in recoilless rifles and it shoots a lower trajectory doesn't pick it up pick it up and then all you hear is the <laughs> and you're like okay that's not outgoing and uh yeah so i think after about a month you're kind of like here we go again like you kind of crawl to the floor but like if you're on the flight line or in the sleeping areas which uh they hit a couple of our defects with white phosphorus wow really yeah they they messed up the jordanians pretty bad on Mm -hmm. that fob um but like i said we had to move our whole entire operation from one side of the fob to the other because they just had it zero. They had our flight line zero there and messing up our aircraft. Yep. We were literally jumping off. We were like pre-flight and having to jump off the tail rotor on a Blackhawk because the alarm went off. And uh, it, it got it got to the point where like if we go to another fob like Bagram and their alarm went off, you knew who was from from Shank because we were all on the ground like out of it was it wasn't even like a conscious thing at that point. It was like reflex like that first beep you're hitting the your body's already in motion and uh we were at bagram and kind of walking around and the alarm went off we hit the deck like out of reflex and then everyone's like <laughs> yeah I, I spent most of my time at bagram personally and it was uh it was definitely a different element for sure uh, a lot of staff uh it, it, a lot of contractors um mm-hmm. But Bagram at that time, it was it got rough sometimes. It's like I was saying, especially on Thanksgiving, and uh, I remember we had a particularly bad Thanksgiving. But uh, yeah, I, I, I that, you know we were doing the um, the Blue Falcon uh, the bar. I, I was t- I remember when I talked to Colin about. It, I was like, hey, like, I said we cannot pass up that opportunity. Uh, we knew guys like you and, and Oliver and Bree would probably understand it and appreciate it. Um, but you know we've had you know what the, one of the most frustrating things is we get people that comment or email us and say, hey, do you actually know what a Blue Falcon is? <laughs> yes yes we do that's why we did Read it the rapper <laughs> no but it's al- it's almost like um like they're all like well i wouldn't eat a blue falcon because you know that means you're a shit bag i'm like are you that sensitive about it like you can't eat something because it's fun i don't understand maybe it's just yeah. me like maybe we're, i'm like we're in a different mindset but oh maybe. my god if i had a dollar clerk what's that they're probably like a supply clerk <laughs> i guess or they actually were a shit bag and they're sensitive about you know yeah but but a lot of a lot of the blue falcons that I knew embraced it. They 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 <laughs> enjoyed being the blue falcon. I mean that's just extra. That's extra. It's the yeah. I, I guess I appreciate that more than the others who don't know it and they yeah. don't think they are. I, I think that's probably the worst. People who say yeah I'm a scumbag. I, I kind of laugh at because at least they I guess embrace it like you said. Um, I don't know. I always pegged you for one, Oliver. I figured you were that guy. No, no. So I, I do have a funny Blue Falcon story where I, I was the one receiving the, the crappy end of the stick. Uh-oh. Uh, he Blue Falcon me. With this dude, <laughs> we had this dude who, um, like, always smelt really bad. And um, always one. So, and um, so finally they, like, put me – they were like, you, I don't know why they picked me, but they're like, you need to make sure he showers today. And I'm like <laughs> – okay so i'm like hey man i'm like um like you have to shower like you know so we get into an argument or whatever and then um he's like well, i don't have soap and i'm like what do you mean you don't have soap he's like i don't have soap i'm like we're we haven't been home in 30 days what have you been doing and he was yeah. like oh well whatever so he get all these excuses so i ended up having to stay up for like 20 hours we both did 20 hours um uh, without going to sleep because I had to help him wash his clothes. He didn't have um, pods or nothing to, to wash his clothes, and he didn't have body wash. He had nothing. He only had, like, three pairs of socks. Wow. And it was like a 60-day like underway. 
and he had three pairs of socks and no. So. Oh, that makes my head hurt. Yeah. Did you ever encounter that? I mean, I know I've passed people in the military. Like, I know you got weirdos coming into the medic tent. Did you ever deal with that? Like crazy stuff? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm sure. I just. <laughs> what about, what about like, it, like so, smells so bad because they haven't showered in weeks and weeks and weeks. Like Oliver's example. I, I don't know if we ever had stinky people because we had some, we were, I was in such a small fob that we all knew each other and it, like, I, I don't know, I guess. Y'all stunk because like, you're on a fob. Maybe, maybe we all stunk so nobody smelled that we all just smelled terrible. So. Oh man. Well, so I don't know how it is for you guys, but like when you're on a ship, you have, you're available to shower every day. Right. So, you know, even if you like, aren't having like a busy day at work you're still like around the ship and the ship is dirty and like it's just like you want to shower and it's not like you guys are when you guys are in the field you know you guys don't have the showers around yeah you did the baby wipe shower yeah 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 no you're yeah well when you're on a ship there is showers like excuse there's, there's no excuse it's crazy um, yeah, I, you could go all day about that. I'm sure. And I'm sure Nick, you got a lot of, you got a lot of stories too. Cause we had, we, issue, we had the little, like, we had like two shower things Yeah. and, uh, they were like little connexes, like squares. Mm -hmm. So it was like a half of a connex. Yep. Well, they either weren't working <laughs> or the Afghans were shitting in them. <laughs> so everybody had to do like some sort of detail work now because we we're a flight company we were definitely fortunate because the mission kind of revolved around us if we're being honest yeah of course and uh so we didn't have the manpower to expend because we were we flew like enough for like a whole battalion as a company and but when it did it was obviously the lower list of guys so uh we had to go wash the latrines and the the showers well it was two latrine connexes and two uh shower connexes and then a bunch of porta potties and so i got smart i would sign out the aircraft pressure washer i wasn't going down there with a squirt bottle and a mop and a rag <laughs> and wiping that stuff down i'm like i've had enough of this shit literally no pun yeah and uh i would just tell everybody else in detail i'm like hey just go to your barracks rooms i'll be done in 20 minutes so we had a big tracker like a big John Deere tractor and uh, I was licensed on it, but like I already knew how to drive it because I grew up around that stuff. So I, now the, our sleeping area was like a quarter mile from the flight line. Uh, Shank was really spaced out because the IDF had a lot of dead space and because of the landmines. And um, so I drove this thing down uh, to the sleeping area, drove through the, like the encampment. Then I'd drive it up to him and just let that puppy rip. And then I'd spend like a minute on each one and then drive back down and then go get the NCO. And she's like, there's no way you're done. I'm like, go look. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the, here's the question. Though. Did they put it on your reward, your end of tour award? No. Damn it. That would have been great. I would have paid money to see that. No. No, they, <laughs> they did not do that. Uh, I, I would have. If I had been your commander, I would have done that for you. I would not have been surprised. They didn't give me a Sikorsky award because I wasn't a 15 Tango. What's the Sikorsky award? Uh, it's like after 500 hours. They just give us air medals. Oh, oh okay. Do you have that, Bree? If you're an air medic or whatever? Does that work uh, that way? I did not get that. I got. Uh, I think I got the two over 250 safe flight hours one. But That's okay. your crew wings, correct? For what? That's your crewman's wings? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then at 500, uh, we got air medals. Okay. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, the aviation branch is always such an interesting. Uh, I always told people if they're smart enough and they uh, they got you know good vision, they should definitely try to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I got to talk to some guys going and listening and whatnot. Uh, yeah, they're cool guys though. Crazy, some of them. Um, didn't appreciate some of the Blackhawk pilots we flew with because they were they were brave. <laughs> I will say I got a whole new respect for pilots because I went and got my civilian pilot certification after the military and uh, I was in flight school pretty constantly up until all this stuff went viral and my instrument I was working on my instrument rating and it kind of took a back seat because all of this stuff is going on and um, 
I gotta. I remember used to like saying pilots like they suck, and uh, I remember getting new pilots like, oh, here we go. And then <laughs> when I got into a little R twenty two and tried to hover, I was like, Jesus, I'm a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> it gives you a whole new perspective on on actually being a pilot. Oh yeah. The, but it the aviation is mainly different, I would say, because of the especially in assault battalion where the, the enlisted and the officers uh, work together so frequently. Mm-hmm. Like there were times when the, if there wasn't any like rank in the back or anything, like we were on a first name basis sometimes in, in the aircraft, just because it made crew coordination so much smoother. Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, rank kind of went out the window because it was all played off of flight hours. So you could have like a, a Fulberg Colonel in in the right seat, and he's second in command to a CW two, just because the CW two is a stick pig. Right, I mean, that should be. In the back, that has more hours than both the pilots. I've had that before. <laughs> no, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. I, I like you said, I respect those guys a lot. I don't know how they do it. Crazy hours. Um, uh, Colin, do you have a question? Yeah, no, it's just kind of a yeah general towards um, <clears throat> really all of you guys, except for Brad and I, because we're the only ones that are non-military. But I was having a conversation, um, this was about two weekends ago, um, and, and this group at this party I was at, it was, were more liberal focused, let's say. Um, so they were kind of talking about, you know, how the military is, is not a career, and, you know, most of the guys that go in are, are low intelligence, they're this, they're that. And I was explaining to them, I'm like, hey, you know, my brother's made a great career out of the army and, and, you know, just hearing from Bree and Oliver, I know he's, he's still doing stuff with the Navy and, um, you know, where, where do you guys think that's coming from where people think that they can't make a career out of it? Um, and, and really Ian took the ROTC path and went through school and, and then went to reserves and listen and all of that. But, um, you know, maybe Bree and Oliver will have a, a different perspective on that, but I mean, the army and the military in general, it seems like it's still a very viable career option. I'm just curious why it seems like the, the view from a lot of people is that it's not. Well, let me, um, let me, let's do it this way. Since there's a couple of us, I'll, I'll start with me and then I'll go to Bree, Oliver and, and Nick, get your opinion. But um, I think, and don't, I, don't quote me because I don't have the numbers, but uh, from what I understand uh, as of a couple of years ago, the military as a whole is generally better, better educated than the U.S. population by percentage, by ratio, uh, whether that's secondary education or even tertiary. I, I, I have to look up that up for sure, but I remember learning that last year. Um, so that's just, a, I, mean, I think it's a stereotype because there are a lot of kids who, you know, weren't great in college, they weren't great in high school, and the military offered structure and it offered a good job, and you didn't need the college education for that. But, um, I mean, there are engineers who are not degreed engineers who are doing insane things that I've worked with. I think it's just mostly a stare. As for the career thing, I personally don't know. I know a lot of the guys and gals who go in, um, when they get out, they, they get a little bit lost. But uh, I think that's mostly because they're not giving good guidance. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I you know me, Colin. I've been in, what, 10 years now. I got the, my degree from it, and I worked in the Pentagon, and I manage people now. And, you know, it's – I don't understand the career thing. I can understand that, oh, they're all dumb stereotype, but I don't get the career thing. Uh, what about you, Bree? Well, that's – that's, okay, what, that's what I find. That's what I find strange, though, because you know, I mean, you you admit this as well, and I wasn't good in high school, but neither, you know, you weren't very good in high school. You weren't a high grades person. Neither was no. I. No. Yeah, you went in. You know, you got your degree in college. You did a lot of good things in the army. You built a career after that for yourself. So it's almost like these these guys that are looking at it and saying, "I can't make a career out of this because I'm not this or I'm not that." They're looking at it totally wrong because it's actually a great way for them. Um, to kind of change the path they're on and actually build a career that's that's really uh, really respect worthy. Um, yeah. So I, I just always found that kind of strange, knowing your experience with those. Now my my scholarship, I had to maintain that GPA pretty high, or I lost it. So that's pretty much that's pretty good motivation. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, Bree, what do you think? Yeah, Colin, I think what you said is pretty accurate. Um, and I think a lot of it too stems from some of their insecurities, or maybe they couldn't pass something themselves. Ooh, so sick burn, Brie. I know, but <laughs> calling it out, calling Savage. it out. So maybe for whatever reason, they couldn't join, so they feel like they have to make up a, a reason for them not doing it. 
Um, but I also think too, having done what I did in the military and then trying to transition into the civilian world, it was not an easy transition. Like what I did in the army, when I tried to come out and do the equivalent in the civilian world, I wasn't qualified. I didn't have, so I basically had to start over and it was kind of humbling, but really frustrating too, because uh, I had all these abilities and skills that I knew how to do. I just wasn't allowed to do them. So maybe well, that. That's interesting in itself, because why are you qualified enough to, um, you know, to mend up our soldiers that are giving everything for this country, but not qualified enough to mend a, a regular citizen? So that's kind of like a weird, a weird healthcare thing, you know? Um, yeah. It doesn't, that doesn't really, I know that they have different procedures and stuff, but still, I mean, if, if you're doing it over there, you can sure as hell do it here, so. Well, didn't that, Bree, didn't that happen a couple of years ago? There was, and I remember this news story, there was a, an army medic who pulled someone out of a car wreck and then I think that person like sued them because they weren't a qualified medical per personnel. Something yeah. like that. When, does that sound familiar? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've heard multiple stories of that happening. And you're only protected so much in like the Good Samaritan law. Yeah. But you have to be careful because if you are certified in something, um, but you go out of your scope of practice, then you're not being a Good Samaritan. Somebody can like get you for that. So yeah where I might be qualified in Maryland to do something, I'm not qualified in Virginia or Pennsylvania or somewhere else. So I would be practicing out of my scope of practice and I'm supposed to know better and not do that. Right, okay. Okay, well, thanks. What about you, Oliver, what do you think? So <clears throat> I'm like, I'm actually really bothered by that. Like, I'm kind of like, I, can, I, I, I can tell you were like, you were getting ready. <laughs> I, I appreciate you being like, we're gonna, I'll speak and then Bree and then Oliver, cause I'm like, <laughs> Yes. I saw it. I noticed. <laughs> um, no, so that that really bothers me. The the career thing, that just comes from ignorance because what other you can't have a pension anywhere else. I mean, so the fact that they would say that it's not a, a real career. Well, you're talking about the. Uh, well, I mean, like you can get a pension, obviously, but you're not going to get it in the same amount of time. You get it faster in the military if you do it with right, a career. Right. Right. Yeah. It's pensions are very few and far between. Yeah. And um, so that's just coming from ignorance and that bothers me when people speak on stuff that they don't know what they're talking about. But as far as internet, people, <laughs> internet, but as far as people, as far as they said, you said what Colin, they say that people in the military are dumb. Yeah. I mean, this actually, it's interesting because this particular person that I was talking to, it, it, I found out later from one of his good friends that he actually spent a couple of years in the air force. Um, so, you know, I think it's interesting what Bree said that it probably was a situation where he went in and he wasn't, you know, tough enough, smart enough, whatever it may be. And then now he kind of resents, resents the military and resents the people yeah. that built a career out of it. Yeah. Um, and he's an IT guy and, and an average one at that. So uh, I just <laughs> thought it was. Yeah. Oh, I, I know who you're talking about now, Colin. <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that that comes from. You know, when, when, when you're 17 or 18, if you're lost and you're not good at grades, you know, people might call you dumb and, you know, the military might be a good option. And, but not because you're dumb, but you just need a little bit of time to find out who you are and maybe see the world and, you know, get your ass kicked a little bit. I mean, I know that was the case for me. Uh, I, try, I went to college for two semesters and I was like, this sucks. And um, I wanted to leave Maryland. So, uh, you know, I joined the military and it wasn't because I was dumb. It was just because I wanted to, you know, but I could see how people were like, oh, he couldn't, he couldn't go to college. It, you know, college was too hard. So he, so then he went to military as if it was a backup plan, which I mean, I'm in college, I'm in college again now, but going to college at 27 um, and being paid for it with the GI bill is totally different than going to community college when you're 18 and you're like, you're, you know, it's not important for me. Yeah. It wasn't important. Then college is more important now. Yeah. So uh, Nick, I'm going to very quickly ask you the same thing. And we're also going to wrap up here. I'll, I'll just ask you some closing questions. So uh, I think Colin's going to call on something to say real quick. Yeah. I'm going to have to uh, bow out. I've actually been uh, playing hooky from an engagement party for the last <laughs> hour and a half. Um, <laughs> and I look like people are leaving. So oh. um, <laughs> talking guys. 
Nick, thank you for, for coming on and talking to us, and uh, I'll let you guys wrap it up. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, yeah, man. See, See ya. ya. That's how dedicated we are to this podcast. <laughs> All right, so Nick, uh, you kind of know the question already, and then um, you just want to give you know your thoughts, and then I'll kind of I'll wrap it up. I have a few more for you just real quick. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'll just be double-tapping what Oliver said. I mean, it's just ignorance, uh, especially in the aviation world where so many of the guys I was in with got out and are now either being crewing for a civilian contractor or they're a maintainer for a civilian contract downrange and making way more money than anybody's going to get out of college right away. Then, I mean, it's, it's just ignorance. It's the people being hypocrites calling people dumb and not knowing what the hell they're talking about. Oh yeah. Plenty of those going around too many. Uh, Okay. Well, great. Hey, I, think, I think that was good. That was a good question by Colin. I, I didn't even think to ask that myself, but it's, it's probably helpful again. And most of us are military except for Brad and Colin, but you guys have been around us long enough to kind of know what we talk about all rants about all the time. Um, but Nick, just to kind of wrap up with you, um, cause I think I've held you long enough today. Um, so, I mean that, you know, you got the, the training with never state it's never state, correct? Never state. Never state. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I knew I was going to misread that <laughs> naturally. Um, so, just real quick, you know, you kind of alluded to it. Let's say your two things you've done in your life, really, like that we'll focus on. You got your military experience, right? And you have this, um, this fitness stuff. So can you give us, and by extension, anyone who watches this, like any advice for success in both of those? So, you know, let's say you got a, a, someone trying to go into the Army or the Navy or the Air Force. What would you give them as a brand new recruit right now? And then let's say you got someone who wants to be in your shoes fitness-wise, whether it's a a certain goal or whether it's, I want to be a trainer one day. And, and like, how did you achieve that? And, and what, what's the best advice you give? Just very general. Uh, so we'll start with the military first. Um, new recruit, be at the right place, right time, right uniform. You're going to hear that so many times. Uh, just, just do what you're told. Um, there, you're going to be kind of broken down and molded, but at the same time, don't lose your ability to critically think and think for yourself. Uh, because that is a huge asset uh, when it comes to the military. Uh, because on paper, to, if we're being honest, you're going to be a number to someone that outranks you severely. So if you're able to kind of shake and move using your own, your own wit and, and intelligence and ability to think for yourself, uh, it will set you apart from your peers and potentially open up a lot of doors in the military, either with other jobs, or when you get out contracting, things like that. Yeah. So that would be my advice to a new recruit. Um, and if you don't have that ability, just stick to right place, right time, right uniform. You can't go wrong. Um, yeah, it's a good one. That's good advice. But uh, as, as far as the uh, fitness stuff, I mean, I'm someone who personally doesn't like being outworked, and I don't like losing. Um, I'm, I'm a gracious loser, but – uh, it's not that I hate the person that beat me. It's that I get angry at myself, you know, especially if it's I lost because I made a mistake or something. It, but it, it kind of, I would say, hmm, that's, that's a lot less direct. Um, Asking you the tough questions. I can't let you go easily. Yeah. I, I would say <laughs> it, it just finds something that really – draws you in and allows you to submerge yourself because it's the only way you'll have that kind of fire and that passion to do it now i don't wake up every day like let's go train like, no not even i wish not even close as i say those guys that do that or are like that i can't i can't even get on their level i don't know how they do it uh, i mean i feel if i do miss a training day like it eats at me i will say that but you know, there's times when, especially I'm in prep for a big competition right now, mm -hmm. like, I look at the program and I'm like, shit, like, <laughs> this is going to suck. Like, I have anxiety. But, um, it's for, like, the personal training stuff, like, th that was another accident. I mean, just make sure when you're if, – if you're trying to go somewhere with the personal training, there, there's – everyone out there is a personal trainer. You can go online and spend an hour on a test and pay $75 to be a personal trainer. The market is so watered down and saturated with all these average and normal personal trainers. I don't even think I'm that great of a trainer. I just enjoy seeing someone change their entire outlook on what they're doing with their body. I mean, mm -hmm. 
I think it was Socrates who said it's a shame that a person can go their whole life without knowing what their body's capable of. And the A, I'm an athlete as well, so I know what it feels like to get a PR. I know that emotion. I know that happiness. I know that that just overwhelming amount of joy and like I did that. No one can take that moment away from you for the rest of your life. You go out and deadlift 300 pounds, that is yours for the rest of your life. And to yeah. be able to give them something that no one can take away from them, for me personally, does a lot for me. Like when, when in those videos, when you see me go nuts with miles, uh, that was, that, that's like any athlete, the whole, when, when the whole gym was going nuts, that's anybody in the gym at any given time when they go for PR. So just be that person that can really push someone to really make a difference in their life. And that work ethic will, is contagious. And, and that feeling is contagious because they'll tell other people, they'll tell other people, they'll post videos and they'll see, and people will eventually draw to you versus you trying to go and shotgun blast the market and be watered down. And yeah, there will be times where you get the soccer mom who just wants to vent and, and that's inevitable. But the, the more you do it, the more you'll kind of find where you fall in that niche. And I've learned that appealing to everybody isn't my route, but with it, like strongman is, is a niche. Let's, it, it is. Um, it's gotten way bigger over the last couple of years, but I, that's something that I really am passionate about. And the fact that I'm, I get a lot of adaptive athletes that reach out to Brian and I now asking for advice, for help. And that's not something I'd ever planned on or ever thought I'd be interested in, but I really enjoy it because it creates a better coaching environment for me. It challenges me and it really lights a completely different flame and evolved my whole coaching thinking process and, and training process. And not only that, but when someone loads a 190 pound stone with one arm, you can't help but be like, holy shit. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, what, what am I doing? Like my best day, my worst day could be one of his best days. And it, it's just, just find your lane and go for it. I mean, take the safety nets away, submerge yourself, take the shot. I mean, you're going to hear everyone said it. You miss hundred percent shots you don't take, but like find your niche. <laughs> Find something within the fitness world that really kind of lights you up and, and just go head down charge. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That's phenomenal advice. And I love that, uh, that Socrates quote too. It's one of my favorites. Um, there's the, what's that? I probably messed that up. No, no, no. You were spot on. I, I think the extension of the quote is he's basically saying you should be able to write a book or read a book but also know the limits i know what you're capable of physically i forget i forget exactly how it goes it's one of the yeah. better ones out there um you know dude that, that's that's awesome advice uh again i i just the fact that you're doing this for us too and coming on here and chatting i really we really appreciate it um yeah, thanks for i mean you're me. you're basically a part of our battle bars team i mean really so we, we want to get the chance to get to know you a little bit better um so you know i i think what we're going to do is just we're, you know we're going to keep plugging away i, I hope that you know, a video like this will give some people to, it gives some people some inspiration too. You know, they can come out to, to us and you and just say, Hey, how do I do that? You know, how do I do any of this? Um, if, uh, you know, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? And I know you, you're already getting flooded, but uh, do you have, you have a YouTube channel? I know you have Instagram. Yep. Like what's, what do you have out there that people can kind of follow your I, story? So, at? So emails on my Instagram. Uh, you can click okay. the email button. That'll take you, uh, set you up to email me. Uh, but my Instagram is uncle.nick. Uh, it's my, my YouTube's uncle Nick. Uh, so it's all kind of tied together. Um, okay. but I definitely say email. That's the most efficient because it's a lot easier to filter through than, than a bunch of DMS. So if you do need to get a hold of me for any reason, I would suggest email and then second would be DMS. Okay, great. Well, I, you know, we'll share your, uh, we'll share your info in the video description on YouTube as well for us. Uh, and we'll, we'll make sure we keep, uh, supplying you guys with some bars and whatnot. Um, I hope you're, I hope you're psyched for our, our third flavor that we're in the progress of working on. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be good. Yeah. It's Brad gave me a little bit of heads up. Oh, did he? You bastard. 
I didn't, I didn't tell. Oh, I, just, okay. I, just, I just I put a little teaser out there. Damn it, we need the opsec, okay? Yeah. But yeah, it'll be good. We'll make sure you and Miles get some. Uh, hopefully, we'll get the. Might have to chat with him at some point. Um, I, I know I told Brad we're gonna try to come down to Westminster and do one of these in person. Um, you know, totally. get, get to know everyone a little bit better. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, I really appreciate your time, uh, Nick, Bree, Oliver, Brad. I appreciate your time as well. Uh, this has been fun. I, I'm, I'm glad I got to talk to you. This is my first time talking to you, Nick. So uh, it's good to meet you virtually. Yeah, good to meet you guys as well. Yeah. Uh, Brad, you suck. Um, <laughs> but that we can all agree on. It's yeah. been, uh, I've had a great experience with you guys so far. Good. So um, anytime that I, there was something that uh, I needed resolved, I went to Brad and like within hours, he was like, hey, boom, boom, boom. And yeah. you get it so uh the the support and the, the opportunity i'm i'm happy to be here so thank you great great well hey guys i appreciate your time uh we'll stay tuned hopefully i have uh had the next one come up here shortly uh and i'm sure the next individual is going to be interesting as well uh should be uh lopez from uh jonathan lopez from operation during warrior uh operation during warrior is the charity that we've chosen to partner with um so we're going to be um dedicating a portion of profits to them um, you know, once we've hit that, hit that point where we, you know, we can do that. So he's, uh, he's next in the line. He's going to be a great guy. Uh, I'm sure you get along very well with him too, Nick. He's got a good sense of humor. So, right on. Uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good, but all right, everyone that wraps it for today. I appreciate right. it.